Welcome to LOL Sports. I am your host, Liam Smith, and unfortunately this week, we do not have the special guest that I was hoping for. This is why the episode is late. I don't know if you saw my Twitter post, but um, yeah, I had a a special guest lined up. I had um, a load of notes made out and uh, kind of a, um, not a a script, script because the show isn't fully scripted, but like plot notes to go off. For my wrestling special and unfortunately the guest I had lined up for that um, was unavailable he let me he let, unfortunately had to let me down last minute um, which was kind of kind of stressful really because I've not been well this week I've had to have um I've had to have a few big checkups with the doctors I've got some checkups to come with the hospital um, for those of you who don't know I have a pacemaker and I had a bit of a scare a bit of a bit of a in a bit of a bad do at work um, midweek. I'm fine. There's nothing to worry about. The doctors have checked me over. They're happy enough. I've got a couple of tests to come. But as far as I'm aware, and as far as the doctors are concerned, everything seems fine. I should be fine. And I feel fine now. So um, with all the um, excitement and stress and short notice and everything else that's happened this week, I've had to come up with a backup plan at short notice. Hence why the podcast is late this week. So this week I am going in depth rather than just covering it in my news. I'm going in depth into the Euro 2020 final. So this saw the um, game between England and Italy, um, the two finalists, which um, was a was a very entertaining game. Um, unfortunately, um, England suffered heartache in the Euro 2020 final after losing out in a penalty shootout, three two to the Azzurri. Um, now this came after a 1-1 draw after normal time and extra time and um, yeah it, it, it was it was heartbreaking really it really was it was such a, a such a sad ending for what was an incredible journey and despite not bringing the trophy home I do believe that football did come home this summer I really do um, just the passion the atmosphere the whole country was Sat in anticipation, buzzing, the ex- like I said, the excitement. Oh, I've loved every minute of this Euro 2020 tournament. And um, I don't know about all the rest of you out there, but um, the better team won on the night, as far as I'm concerned. Um, we were unlucky, um, but we gave it our all. And I, ca- I can't say anything more than that. It was a heroic display. Um, Luke Shaw, he, um, he scored in the first two minutes of the game. Um, he he scored the fastest goal in the Euro final ever to put England ahead, and that was in the second minute. Like I said, um, for those of you who didn't see it, Harry Kane fed Kieran Tierney on the right hand side, and he played a fantastic crossover to the back post, which was drilled home on the volley. Or um, I think it was on the volley. It was definitely hit first time anyway. Um, struck by Luke Shaw, 
um, at the back post. Fantastic goal, it really was. And England fans started to believe already, uh, two minutes in. And for the next 30 minutes, we looked the better team in Italy, looked terrified of us. Um, and yeah, it was a really, really good display for the first half hour. Half an hour into the game and Italy did start to come back into it. And for the last 15 minutes of that uh, first half, um, Italy slowly started to peg us further and further back into our half. We were defending really well and it didn't seem to be coming up with much attacking-wise. There was a couple of good saves from Pickford. Um, he's been fantastic this tournament. He really, really has. And for those who doubted he should be our England number one, he certainly proved every doubter wrong in this tournament. And... Um, hats off to him. I think he he was fantastic. I really do. Um, we managed to go in at half time, one 0 up, and I thought we we were good money for good money for the um for the lead at half time. To be fair, um, and I was excited and anticipating the hopes of um coming out in second half, maybe with a couple of substitutions, maybe going on and nicking a, a second late on or something. So second half comes along. And Italy continued how they left off in the first half. They had us pegged back further and further into our box, passing the ball around really neatly, nicely. We had the odd break and the odd spell, which kind of scared Italy. But um, unfortunately, Italy did level the score in the 67th minute um, with some nice niche quick passing around the box. And unfortunately, one of the balls, um, after a bit of a scramble, came through the box to Marco Verratti's head. He headed it against the post. Um, sorry, he headed it towards Jordan Pitford, who managed to push it onto the post, should I say. Um, and unfortunately, the rebound trickled over towards Benucci, who just tapped it in, basically. He pounced to just push it over the line. And they they made it 1-1. Now, at this point, I thought maybe um, Southgate might bring on a couple of subs just to get, give us a bit more of an attacking edge, since we were being pegged further and further back. And... Unfortunately, this didn't seem to happen until right at the end of the first uh, second half. Uh, we 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 really needed some sort of edge going forward to take take the pressure off us because they were pushing us further and further back. Thankfully, we managed to hold on to the end whistle. Um, Grealish and Henderson did come on, um, and for that extra time, um, again Italy seemed to have the better of the play. We did have a few good chances, um, but it just wasn't to be. Um, what really did strike me as a bit odd was the fact that Rashford and Sancho got brought on within the last minute for penalties and I thought that was a bit of a strange one because they barely got a touch of the ball and really being brought on in such a pressure situation without even getting a feel for the game or anything was a bit was a bit, bit of a strange decision by Southgate I mean I understand they brought them on for the penalties but they'd barely even got a moment in the game to get going or get even into the game I thought bringing Rashford on would have been a great move to do at the start of extra time because we could all see that Sterling was starting to look very leggy. Um, Sterling has, has, has had a fantastic game. Um, um, and he, he's had a great tournament as well as Sterling. The only criticism I do have is Southgate does seem to like to play it safe by keeping Sterling on the pitch as long as possible. And I do think at times he can take Sterling off and try and do something different with a couple of our other attacking players. We've got such, we've got one of the best attacking benches in the whole tournament, when you look at it, we had Grealish, Sancho, um, Foden, we had Dominic Calvert-Lewin. Why not stick Calvert-Lewin on? <laughs> bring on Calvert-Lewin, bring on um, Rash Rashford at the start, uh, start of extra time and see if we can nick a winner. 
take some of that pressure off us, but no, it, it didn't seem to happen. And I'm not going to get too much against Southgate. He has been fantastic this tournament. His tactics have worked to get us to a final to start with. But yeah, it just seemed a little bit odd to me that um, Rashford didn't get brought on at the start of extra time. I thought, bring off the leggy Sterling, bring on Rashford. Especially when Sterling wasn't even used in penalties. But I thought the only reason he was keeping him on was so he could have a penalty, but he didn't even have a penalty. So take him off. The injection of pace and Rashford might have done something with Saka. Saka and Rashford running at them def their defence. It might have done something. Um, yeah, Italy at times were very dirty. Yeah, there's some bad tackles in there. One key moment sprung to mind when Saka was around about the halfway line. A broke past on the counter-attack. And Chiellini literally grabbed the tag off his back of his shirt and literally yanked him so he yanked him off his feet practically. So he ended up flying backwards onto the floor um, after Sancho had gone past him. And I thought that was pure dirty. He, he got a yellow card for that. If that had been further up the pitch, it would have been a red. Because it was around the halfway line and there was a chance for the defenders to get back, it was only a yellow. Um, but yeah, it was pure filth. Uh, it was disgusting. And there's plenty of memes out there. I've got a few memes available. I'll put a few of them on my Twitter feed for you to have a laugh at. But yeah, no. It, for those of you who didn't see it, it, it was a disgusting, disgusting move by Chiellini. But like I said, they did what they had to do to keep us at bay and stop us from getting a, a counter-attacking goal. And they just kept piling the pressure on. Um, it got to penalties, like I say. And Harry Kane, after missing the one against Denmark, um, it seemed a bit of an interesting one that he stepped up first after Italy, after Italy missed their first one. But no, he rifled it into the top corner, a fantastic penalty by Kane, and he put us on a good start. Um, both teams scored the second penalty, and we were looking confident of maybe going ahead to win it. Rashford stepped up for the third one, sent the keeper the wrong way. A fantastic penalty, to be fair, when you look at it. Just very unlucky that he hit the post, and it came back out. Um, I felt a bit hard done by there for Sterling, but he, he, did, he did do us proud there. Um... Next, you had um, Donnarumma um, making a save against Sancho after Pickford had saved um, the one, the follow-up goal when Rashford hit the post. You had um, Sancho have his shot saved by Donnarumma, who has been a fantastic keeper this tournament. John Luigi Donnarumma, he was the hero for Italy again um, in in this shootout, as as he has been throughout the tournament for them. And, yeah, um, come to the final one, Pickford had to make a save um, to keep us in it. He made a fantastic save, a sublime save, pushing it onto the post. Uh, phenomenal save from Pickford, and he gave us hope again. Um, unfortunately, up-stepped um, Bakayo Saka, um, very, very young kid. I think he's only, what, 18, 19? And all the hopes of... An England final resting on this poor kid's shoulders. And I did feel really sorry for the kid. I mean, I really did. He was so brave stepping up and wanted to take that final penalty. And I thought Southgate might have given it to somebody who was a bit more experienced. But no, fair play to the kid. He stepped up and he, had, he, he, he stepped up with confidence. And it was just unfortunate that Donnarumma managed to meet him, meet him and make the save. Um, so, um, Bakayo Saka unfortunately didn't score. And Donnarumma became the Italian hero. For the Azuri, and they walked away with the Euro 2020 trophy. That being said, the squad did our nation proud, and England reached its first final in 55 years.
And despite despite the heartache of not coming home with the trophy, I do believe football came home. I, I believe it. I, I, it was there for all to see. The way the country was brought together throughout the whole of this tournament was fantastic. Despite that, though, there was a proportion of the fans that really did let the country down. And these fans were causing chaos, tearing up the city and even forcing their way into Wembley. Um, King's Cross had to be evacuated due to pyros being set off. There were bottles being thrown um, to smash up the Burger King windows. Um, Fights with police were breaking out. Destruction of property was happening. Uh, There was even flares being fired from from men's backsides, which (laughs) says it all, really. Some random crazy hooligans out there. And this was all before the pre-match rituals had even started. Uh, before the national anthems, it was only going to get worse. Um, the stadium got briefly locked down after hordes of ticketless fans had breached sections of the stadium and managed to storm the concourse. Fences had been torn down. The breach prompted violence. There were videos out there captured which showed an adult punching a kid in the head, which was just disgusting. And even more so, a group of men kicking an Asian man whilst he was on the floor. And I mean, there was quite a few of them kicking and beating the hell out of him. Um, thousands bombarded the barriers during the national anthem as though as if it was coordinated. It really did seem like a big group of fans had coordinated this attack on the stadium and and bombarded the barriers during the national anthem. Um, there were so many fans that actually managed to get in as well with fake tickets. There's rumours of supposed bribing on some on some of the stewards as well. And many of those with legitimate tickets were turned away um, as the crowd was o- the stadium was overcrowded. Um it, it really was such a such a sad sight to see. As penalties ensued, it was only going to get worse as the chaos ensued into the night with fights and destruction caused to the city. Um fights um, destruction, the, the the city. When you see the pictures, it just looked a complete mess, and it it just it just dampened what was such a fantastic journey from England, such a fantastic tournament, and s- such a proud moment for England. And these guys had to go and ruin it and embarrass the country. It didn't even end there, and this is this is what's really disgusting and really upsets me. Um, the racial abuse and the slurs were just. Another disgusting outcome of the shootouts. And it really saddened what was an amazing performance in the tournament from all these players. Unfortunately, Rashford, Sancho and Saka, who bravely stepped up to take a penalty each, um, and unfortunately were better by the pressure and quality of Donnarumma, received copious amounts of hatred and racist attacks. And these were seen across all sorts of social media platforms. And they were aimed at our young penalty takers who didn't deserve any of it. They stood there, stood up like brave lions and yet yet a proportion of the fans treated them like vermin. It really was disgusting. I mean, I can only describe it as embarrassing and shameful, really. And it, it, it's embarrassing to, at times to clash yourself as an England fan when you, take, when you consider the standard of some of the England fans' behaviour at the end of this tournament. Those three heroes helped capture the heart of a nation and made history for an England side that haven't really had much glory in re- in recent years. They did get to the semi-final of the World Cup last time round, but in recent years before that, they haven't really performed um, as well as we'd hope. 
but they really have stepped up and captivated a nation and they deserved all the praise and adulation and sympathy that, that they could get. Unfortunately, it wasn't to be as a lot of hatred, abuse and family remarks were thrown their way and it was really an embarrassing time to be an England fan. Even worse, the Marcus Rashford mural in Wivington, Manchester was disgracefully vandalised and defaced with insults. Another case of disgusting, abusive fans showing disrespect to our brave England players. And, and yeah, it's just something we did not want to see. Thankfully, coming out of all of this, um, and what was a huge positive to the terrible situations we were witnessing, um, thousands of fans rallied against the racism with emotional tributes and positive messages and support at the mural and positive um, messages and support across social media. The outpour of unity and love for Rashford, Sancho, Saka and the rest of the England players and teammates was made clear to see for everyone and we will not let racism win in this uh, in this um in this country we will not and across any platforms across the world um racism is a disgusting um a disgusting thing that should not be allowed in and around sport or anywhere else um many of the people who flocked to sh- Showed tributes and support, um, stood up to the government stance on the players taking the knee in protest to racism, because um, the government stance was that it was just gesture, gesture politics and ridiculous, and it was taken too far. Um, a lot of people who booed the knee, the, the the taking the knee, and that lot again, just disgusting. Those who applauded the players taking the knee. Thank you. Those of you who praised the players taking an A, thank you. We will defeat racism. Racism is not to stay in this sport or in any sport. And the government really does need to do more to acknowledge racism in football um, and to acknowledge that it's still rife across the world and needs to be stopped. It's great to see large numbers come together and unite against a common evil. And hopefully the government will finally stand up and accept this is an issue that really does need to end. So, yeah, despite all the negativity surrounding the final and after the final, um, Italy walked away with the trophy, but England walked away knowing that they brought um, football home, as far as I'm concerned. Throughout them four weeks, they really did bring football home to a nation that really did, um, really did come together in unity to support the Lions. And they've all gone now on a deserved holiday, which I think they've more than truly earned. And I look forward to the Premier League starting up again and the World Cup in 2022 in Qatar. So that pretty much sums up the um, Euro 2020 final. Um, I'm sorry if I've dragged it out a little bit. I did want to bring you a special guest this week and go through the wrestling, but I think it's fair to say um, it's nice just to be able to speak to you all and give you something to listen to. Um, I'm going to go for a quick break now. When I come back, I will go through the remaining sporting headlines and give you my opinions and my insights into them. <laughs> 
and hopefully um hopefully once that is done we'll wrap up the show there and hopefully come back to you next week with a bumper wrestling edition i will inform you in due time if that is not to be the case i will plan and plot ahead just in case that isn't to be the case with a backup show for you but i am very hopeful and fingers crossed that the wrestling show will go ahead next week so we'll take a couple of minutes now for a break and when we come back we'll go into the news Okay, well, welcome back. And this part of the show is where we cover the news. So, as well as England coming second to Italy in the Euros 2020, there was also a busy week for sport. We had um, Wimbledon. um, And the finales of Wimbledon happened over the same weekend. Um, In this tournament, we saw... Novak Djokovic come back from a set behind in the final to win 7-6, then 6-4, 6-4, 6-3. So Berrettini, the Italian, um, won the first set, 7-6, 7-4 in the tiebreak. But then Djokovic came back to win the next three sets, 6-4, 6-4, 6-3, to take the Wimbledon crown for the men's. And in the women's, Ashley Barter. Managed to overcome Carolina Pliskova. She won the first set 6-3. Lost the second set on a tiebreak 7-6. In the tiebreak it was 7-4. But then won the final set 6-3 to take home the women's crown. Djokovic has announced that he will compete in the Olympics. Moving on to the Olympics. Um. There's a lot of uproar from Japanese um, citizens and um, residents about the Tokyo Olympics going ahead. They think it should be cancelled, there's protests, and they reckon it should be cancelled due to COVID. And maybe now, after the Olympics have said to be going ahead, and the IOC president Thomas Bach insisting the Games will be safe and secure... Maybe now there is cause for concern after um, there has been positive tests in the um, Olympic village. So two South African football players become the first athletes to test positive for COVID-19 in the village. They are Tabiso Manyane and Kamohelo Malatsi among 10 new games related cases. They're the first two athletes to be announced to have COVID. Among those 10 new positive cases connected is a third athlete who tested positive on arrival in Japan. The other positive cases were five games-related personnel, one member of the media and a contractor. There is rising nervousness in Tokyo after the city recorded over a thousand new cases for the fourth straight day with the number of games-related cases since July 1st having now risen to 55. In a press conference on Sunday, the IOC Executive Director Christophe Duby appeared to backtrack admitting there is no such thing as zero risk. 
even though beforehand he said there was zero risk of it happening and that the Olympics would be safe. So, slight backtracking from the officials because there has been outbreaks of COVID. Now they are saying they keep the risk at minimal level and therefore the Olympics should still be safe to continue. There will be no fans to, to witness the Games. The only people to witness the Games will be media, the athletes themselves and any contractors on site. Last week, the South African rugby sevens team were forced to quarantine for four days due to being considered close contacts of a passenger who tested positive on their flight to Tokyo, which just goes to show there is still huge concern about whether the Tokyo Olympics should go ahead next Friday. Elsewhere, um, Lewis Hamilton is hoping to come back um, after losing the last four um, Grand Prix races to Verstappen. Although his task will be a much greater challenge with the fact that Verstappen has beaten him to pole for the weekend. This weekend's Grand Prix is the Silverstone British Grand Prix and Hamilton hopes he can win record gold at his home turf in front of the home fans. One of the biggest news stories um, out there as well from the weekend was Conor McGregor's fight with Dustin Poirier. Now, the match got called off at the end of the first round due to Conor McGregor breaking his leg. His leg snapped and collapsed underneath him. He did survive till the end of the round with the broken leg. However, it was horrifically damaged and the fight was stopped. Conor McGregor, however, did show his true colours following the main event after dragging his wife into a feud. Ever defiant after the match, he screamed at officials to ensure that the result was ruled a doctor's stoppage and that he did not lose the fight, then produced an ugly outburst when he was interviewed by Joe Rogan while sitting against the cage post-fight. The notorious one couldn't resist firing one final sledge at his American rival, who had actually dominated the lightweight contest in most people's opinion. Conor McGregor was said to, Conor McGregor did say to Joe Rogan, I was boxing the bleeding head off him, kicking the bleeding leg off him. Usual shite, dive close to get the dive to close the distance on me, McGregor yelled. This is not over. I have to take this outside with him. It's on. There was no check from him. There was not one of them that was a check. And your wife is in my DMs. He then proceeds to call out to Dustin Poirier's wife saying, Hey baby, hit me back up and I'll chat to you later on. We'll be having an after party at the Wynn nightclub, baby. Poirier's wife was spotted showing McGregor her middle finger during the explosive spiel. Earlier this week, McGregor shared on Twitter what appeared to be a screenshot of uh, Jolie Poirier's direct message request. Many people have criticised McGregor and gone on a backlash against McGregor, saying sitting there in the octagon after another defeat, although technically it was a stoppage, not a defeat, but sat there looking embarrassingly um, beaten, saying 
um, yelling about Dustin Poirier's wife was just completely pathetic. Many people backlashed about this. In response to it all, Poirier bluntly told McGregor, shut your bitch ass up. I can take the trash. There's no holes barred on the trash. I don't care about you talking about my wife. But murder something you don't clown around on. There's no coming back from that. According to Poirier, the guy had been saying to him he's going to murder him and all kinds of stuff. He's going to kill me and we'll be leaving there in a coffin. You don't talk to people like that, man. I have kids and you don't talk about murdering a guy. Karma's not a bitch. She's a mirror and this guy said the wrong shit and I've been busting my ass. Sometimes these things happen, but nah, I beat this guy. Poirier also accused McGregor of pushing his fingers inside the gloves while they were grappling and said he was trying to alert referee Herb Dean. We did see him talking to Herb Dean while he was atop of um, McGregor and eventually separated from him to show that he gave up his stance over McGregor because McGregor was trying to cheat. He said, the guy's a dirtbag man. Poirier assured his class by adding, I do hope this guy gets home safe to his beautiful family, you know. And we are going to fight again, whether it's in the octagon or the sidewalk, he said. McGregor has taken things too far. McGregor has lost three of his past four fights. And now he's lost four of his past seven. And now faces an uncertain future after this major leg break and major injury. So it remains to be seen whether the fourth fight will go ahead. Poirier says he's happy for it to happen. He says it will happen. McGregor says it will happen. He's happy. He doesn't want to let this lie. Whether or not he will recover from his leg injury, whether or not he will actually get back in the octagon after so many defeats now in recent times, remains to be seen. Um. So, yeah. No. Bit of a um, disgusting performance from McGregor, if I must say so myself. Um, so we'll now go and have a look at the transfer news. So there's been some updates in the transfer window as well in the Premier League. So we will go to... And back from the Friday the 9th when I last covered everything. Friday the 9th of July. And since then, we have seen Ryan It Nuri sign from Angers to Wolves for an undisclosed fee. Peter Etobo has gone from Stoke to Watford on loan. Joshua King has gone unattached to Watford from being unattached and he's gone to Watford. And Dapper Mabood has gone from being unattached to go to Watford. On the 10th, July the 10th, which was last Saturday, Nuno Tavares joined Arsenal from Benfica for an undisclosed fee. On July 11th, there was just Corey Panther who left Luton Town to go to Dundee on loan. I'm only really covering the big big ones, Premier League and European. I'm not going into Championship and League One and elsewhere. On July the 12th, we saw Matt Ryan depart from Brighton and go to Real Sociedad for an undisclosed fee. And Kiko Casilla departed Leeds United and went to Elche on loan. On the 13th, 
We saw Pierre-Lise Malou go from Nice to Norwich for 3.5 million. And Remy Matthews go from Sunderland to Crystal Palace on a free. Elsewhere, we saw Darrow O'Connor go from Leicester to Motherwell on a free. And one of the biggest ones of the week, Rui Patricio, the Wolves goalkeeper, has departed and gone to Roma for an undisclosed fee. Thursday, we saw John Luigi Donnarumma complete his transfer from AC Milan to PSG on a free. And Lille Abada went from Maccabi Petter Tikva to Celtic for an undisclosed fee. Yesterday, I'm not sorry, not yesterday. Sorry, Thursday, that was Wednesday. Thursday, we saw Ryan Bertrand leave Southampton and go to Leicester on a free transfer. We saw Jose Saar go from Olympiacos to Wolves for an undisclosed fee. And we saw William Saliba go from Arsenal to Marseille on loan. Friday just gone, we saw Kel Sherpin go from Ajax to Brighton for an undisclosed fee. We also saw Kyogo Furuhashi go from Vissel Kobe to Celtic for an undisclosed fee. And Mikel Parker go from go to Motherwell on a free. We also saw Felipe Anderson depart West Ham and go to Lazio for an undisclosed fee. And Lucas Amecha go from Man City to Wolfsburg for an undisclosed fee. Um, July the 17th, we saw Olivier Giroud complete his transfer from Chelsea to AC Milan for an undisclosed fee. And as it stands of today, so far we have Stevie Mallon go from Hibernian to Yeni Malatai Aspor for an undisclosed fee. Sancho still not being confirmed as being signed by Man United, although pretty much everything has been done. He's undergoing a medical and everything. And Ben White has practically signed for Arsenal, just awaiting a medical. And and there is rumours that Raphael Varane could well be going to Manchester United as well. There are the latest headlines in terms of transfers. So that pretty much sums up um, the news, really, for this week. I'm sorry the episode isn't as long as I would like it to be this week. Um, I do hope we have a bumper full full episode for you going out next week so thank you as always for tuning in and i really do hope um you enjoy your weekend the weather is meant to be beautiful in the uk this week so whatever you end up doing i hope you have a good week and we will see you again on friday goodbye for now